Hello everybody, just a word of warning, the podcast you're about to listen to was originally recorded as a live streamed webinar and I'm afraid that the sound quality is not up to the standard we would like. Nevertheless, we thought you'd rather have it in our archive than throw it away altogether. So if you don't mind pretending that it's 1925 and you're listening on an earpiece with your crystal set, I think you'll enjoy it nevertheless. Let me introduce your presenters today. My name is Paul Ducklin. I'm joined by my friend, colleague and security expert, Matt Body. Hello, Matt. Hello. You sound very enthusiastic. I know, I'm chipper. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday and all. Matt, what we aim to do is to talk through the issue of mobile security, what people can do about it, how they can embrace it, and how we can make sure that it doesn't end in tears. But I thought that what we should do, particularly given that some of our listeners will be familiar with British or Commonwealth English, and some will be more familiar with North American English, the word mobile kind of means different things on different sides of the Atlantic. So in the context of today's podcast, what do we mean when we talk about mobile? And I want everyone to imagine air quotes whenever I say the word mobile. So we don't just mean your mobile phones, which is what you typically think of in the UK, especially when you say mobile. We also mean things like laptops, uh, I guess tablets as well, which are kind of a hybrid between mobile and, and laptop. Anything that's roaming or able to roam. One word that we might use by mistake, but I think we should try and avoid if we can, is this word smartphone. Because yeah. I still have a non-smartphone that I've kept because it is the best alarm clock I've ever had. It doesn't have a SIM card in it. I can't make calls on it anymore. But generally, when we talk about a phone, we're kind of talking about a mini laptop. And when we talk about a laptop, we're talking about a slightly larger sized phone. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, even if you were to go to your local shop and try and buy a, a burner phone, for instance, it probably would be a smartphone now. You'd probably be running some seven-year-old version of Android. Yeah, precisely. Android. Okay, I think we've, we've kind of alluded towards the answer to the second question I want to discuss, which is the particular risks you get from computing devices that are mobile. But why don't you just quantify some of the special risks that exist when you walk out of the office. The risks are quite different, even though the network technology you're using is very similar. Yeah, absolutely. You, you see these types of uh, physical attacks quite a lot, like, like things like man-in-the-middle attacks happening at coffee shops, especially in these proof of concepts that we see online in the security industry, where somebody sits in a coffee shop, they do uh, some sort of network traffic sniffing, and when you're browsing to a website, they may inject some traffic onto your device to try and steal passwords, perhaps, or inject malware onto your device. But in a coffee shop, in an airport, in a shopping centre with free public Wi-Fi, you kind of have no control at all, do you? So, yeah, it's the known and controlled, which would be the office, versus the unknown and uncontrolled, which would be the coffee shop or the home router, uh, for instance. And we saw, we saw that brought to light a little bit this year when we saw this big VPN filter coming up. That's the malware that yeah. infected quite a number of routers that had known security holes. It allowed the crooks to embed this malware that aimed to watch your network traffic and report back to the crooks. Precisely, yeah. So it was found on at least 500,000 devices in 24 different countries. So it was a huge spread of infected 
what we call a IoT device. It's a bit astonishing that we go, gosh, that's quite a lot. Yeah. Rather than, wow, that's an enormous number. Yeah. It, it is amazing just how many devices there are. So does that mean that public Wi-Fi, free public Wi-Fi, coffee shops, airports, etc., are they out? Should companies, organizations be forcing their staff to use access points on their mobile phones, potentially at great cost? So in, a, in an ideal world, yes, you'd like to say, yeah, don't let anybody connect to unsecured Wi-Fi or public Wi-Fi or even their home Wi-Fi, don't let them do it. But realistically, it's not going to work that way. So ideally, you want to work with uh, your customers or your users to, to make sure that they are securing, as, uh, that they're secured as much as they possibly can be when they are going to McDonald's, having a McFlurry and browsing browsing the internet and logging into their email. And the way that you could do that is through uh, implementing some sort of VPN on that device to make sure that they're coming back into the corporate, the known corporate infrastructure. VPN, virtual private network. Yes. How does a VPN give you more than just doing secure browsing? Why, would, why might you choose to do it that way, given that most of what we do these days is in the browser? HTTPS is, is a good level of security that's provided by that, but not everything's encrypted. So your DNS requests, for instance, they're not going to be encrypted um, as, as, they're, as they're going to the DNS service. If you're in a coffee shop or at home or wherever yeah. it is, you can be in a secure browser that's bang up to date, that doesn't have any dangerous stuff in it like Flash. Yeah. You can visit an HTTPS website, which means that even the exact URL you go to will be in the encrypted part of the traffic, and then what you send and receive will also be encrypted. But just before you connect to that site, there'll be a DNS request, which will probably not be encrypted, yeah. which will go out probably to the Wi-Fi hotspot itself to say, I'm about to connect to such and such a site, where do I find it? So a crook, although they won't be able to know exactly what you're where you're browsing or what you are, the content of what you're browsing, they will know that a browser connection got established because they'll see the TLS getting set up and they'll know where you went. You don't leak a lot, but you always leak something, don't you? Yeah. So you're minimizing what you're leaking by setting up that VPN. Okay, so the, the idea of a VPN, my understanding is the way that most VPNs are implemented is that you essentially get what you might call a virtual or a software network card and all of the software that wants to make any network connection with it's TCP, UDP, ICMP, software updates, email, web, whatever it is, it all goes into that network card, which scrambles the data, pushes it over the network, and it only gets encrypted at some remote point, which is typically back in the office. Precisely. So the ideal situation would be you browse to HTTPS website, still encrypted from your laptop to the server in which you're browsing to, but you're also going back to the office to break out your internet connection at the, the headquarters or the office. So your control, what you're doing is all controlled by the corporate infrastructure. So the VPN adds to any encryption you're already using. Precisely. It does not replace it. Precisely. So you don't go, oh, I'll either connect to HTTPS only websites or I'll use a VPN. Actually, what you want to do when you're on the road, ideally, is to use both. Precisely. And the idea of using the VPN is nothing you can kind of escape around the sides. Yeah. Because if you were just using secure browsing, then when a software update kicked off, that would still be going through the coffee shop's access point and not necessarily through the VPN. Yeah. 
Okay, so that brings me to an issue that's always, it's always worried me. Maybe you can help uh, me and our listeners understand it. A lot of VPNs offer a thing, I think the jargon term is split tunnel. Yes, yeah. And the idea is that you have two network cards. You have the wireless network card that's in your laptop or your mobile phone, and you have the software encrypted virtual VPN network card, and some apps use the regular network card unencrypted, and other apps use the VPN. Yeah. Is that a good idea, given what you've said about the idea of the VPN prevents stuff leaking around the side? If you're going to embrace a VPN, so the traffic gets encrypted and moved away from the hostile coffee shop environment, why would you ever use this split tunnel feature? Because it's quite common, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. So in an ideal world, once again, you wouldn't need to use it. You would okay. just tunnel everything back to the office and let it break out there. But there are there are two main issues with just a standard full tunnel VPN. Full tunnel means no network traffic is allowed to escape from the device yeah. unless it's gone through the encryption. Precisely. Now, the first issue is that it may be a bit inefficient to push everything back to the head, head office. If I am sitting in Dubai, for instance, and I'm on my laptop in Dubai, then my head office happens to be in Oxford, then all of that traffic will be pushed back from Dubai to go to Oxford, to then perhaps go to a server which is in fact sitting in Dubai, which as you can see is a suboptimal path to get to that server. Yes, yeah, so you've got four intercontinental data hops. Precisely, which not ideal. not ideal. So the, the request has to go out and back, and then the reply has to go out and back. Yes. Point two is that it, it may be that you don't have the network bandwidth in the office to be able to cope with that. The infrastructure, may, in an ideal world, we'd all have one gigabit per second links with uh, very, very large firewalls in the office that could cope with the throughput uh, and large routers that could cope with the throughput of your traffic all breaking out at that headquarters. The idea of a large firewall yeah. makes me feel very, very tiny. Another thing that you hear as an alternative to, to a VPN at all, or to a split tunnel VPN, is this, this technology called containerization. Now my understanding, so it's all about splitting out your, your data on that device. You don't necessarily, if somebody has a, a device that they own themselves, a BYOD device for instance, like my own personal mobile phone, I may have my own personal email on there for instance, but I also want to be able to access my corporate email. Now, when I'm accessing my corporate email, I don't want that to get mixed up with somebody's personal email. If they leave the, leave the organization, then I want to be able to have control over what data they still have on that device, for instance. Okay. So by having a containerized app that has email within it, that means that I can, as an IT manager of, of, that, of, of, the, of the corporate data, I'm able to remove that corporate data from that person's device if they've left the organization or if they've lost their device. Okay, so instead of having a mailbox that has a mixture of my own and work email, where to wipe that email, work has to go, either has to wipe all of your stuff, yeah. which might not go down very well, or has to try and work out and, and delete some of the stuff and not others. So the idea of a container is it's very much a divide and conquer. Yes, yeah. So is a container a replacement for a VPN, or is would you would you use both? It's a complete separate piece of technology. I'd use both. There's a lot that technology can do, particularly through things like um, VPNs, containers. What do you think we need to do from an attitude point of view? 
do the IT guys and employees need to kind of learn to meet halfway? They should definitely be embracing BYOD. They should be these these phones that are going to be used anyway, and these laptops that people want to log into a, a web-based portal to get into a uh, get into their emails, for instance, it's, it, it's likely that they'll find a way they'll they'll be using it anyway. So by so BYD, bring your own device. Yeah, it's more of a statement than a question these days. People are bringing their own devices to work, even if work don't own them. Yeah, and if they're not the same device, and they've just got two phones next to each other on the desk, as like as not. Yeah, precisely. So so realistically, it's difficult to control and stop everybody from taking their own device into into work and using it for work of some sort. Otherwise, they'll be setting up WhatsApp groups to be talking about work with it, rather than just having that email container on their phone to be able to access their official email to, to, to talk to each other in the official way. If you can go outside to smoke or vape, then you can certainly go outside to tweet and use Facebook, can't you? So Matt, we're close to the end of our allotted time. So what I would like to do now is go to our very last point and ask you, as far as goes, bring your own device, mobile security, a mobile workforce, mobile phones, mobile laptops, mobile networks, what are Matt's top three ticks? So the top three tips would be, firstly, install security software on your devices, whether that's Android, iOS, Windows, Mac, anything that's roaming. Secondly, use some sort of EMM or MDM solution to- EMM? Uh, enterprise Mobility Management. And MDM? Mobile Device Management. Those are the technical terms used by products like Android and iOS to describe the interface inside the operating system that allows vendors like Sophos yeah. to hook into the operating system securely, supposedly, and make sure that you haven't rooted your phone, turned your lock code off, yeah, etc. It also allows you to sort of identify what version of software is installed on these devices. So if there is suddenly some breaking news that this app that's on the Google Play Store turns out to be malware, you can have a look through these devices and look to see if they've got those apps installed. You can also see the version of the Android that's installed on that device. So you've got security software, which is something like the old word for antivirus, but of course a modern one like Sonos Mobile Security for Android. It includes antivirus, web filter, lost phone, all of that stuff. But then the MDM part, that's, for example, in the Sophos product range, that's what we call Sophos Mobile Control. Other products have a similar name. That's not so much about antivirus, that's just about keeping track of your assets and making sure they don't go rogue or get lost. Yeah. What's your third tip? And em embrace BYOD as an organization. So it's, it's likely that it's being used already. So find a way of controlling and managing your corporate data wherever that sits. So I think there might be some organizations, law enforcement is an obvious example, or there might be some people inside an organization where you'll need special rules about the kind of phones they can have and what they're allowed to carry and how they use a laptop, because you know maybe they're, they're the CFO or they're people who have insider information about the value of the company. So there may be people that you need to protect differently, but then you're probably doing that anyway. But in general, sounds like what you're saying is what we mentioned earlier, that BYOD, it's kind of a fact. Even if, as an IT department, you go, no, we're not having that here, it's going to happen. You may as well get your staff on side, acting as part of your security team, working with you to fight the crooks. Absolutely. 
Excellent. We have had the red card saying that we must stop now. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, stay secure.